Well, good morning, everyone. You doing all right? Are you good? Turn to your neighbor and ask them how they're doing. Somebody's sitting around you. So, how you doing over there? On both sides of you. All right, get the person your second choice also. That's always awkward on Sunday morning. Yeah. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Welcome, everybody. If this is your first time here, welcome to South Point. I pray that, uh, I pray that God will direct you to the perfect church for you, and I pray that's South Point for you. Because I believe we have some good stuff going on at South Point. And uh, you can come in on whatever level spiritually you're on. If, you, if you're even just checking Jesus out, not a believer, trying to figure it all out, this is the place for you. This is the place where I believe that you can surround yourself with people that you go, you know what, whatever they have, that's what I want. Um, and that's what I believe with South Point. And welcome to everybody online. I'm glad that people around the world are joining us. So that's exciting. Also, today we start a new series called Out of Darkness. We're going to deal with subjects today that are serious, um, throughout this series that are serious. But I also believe that it can be a good thing. You know, that scripture, Out of Darkness, it also says, Into Light. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is referring to, he starts, that's what this series is based on. Paul says, God who said, from the God who said, Out of Darkness, Light Will Shine. And what he's referring to is Genesis chapter 1, you know, when he's creating the world. He's referring to a physical reference. But Paul in 2 Corinthians is saying, this is what Jesus did for us spiritually. He called us out of a dark world. And if we'll leave that darkness, he said, you can have light that shines and brings life and peace to your life. How many could use some peace in these times? Yeah, me too, man. I, I'm, I'm all for it. The more I read God's word, the more I'm convinced I'm on the right track. I like it. It's good stuff. And uh, today we're, we're tackling our first subject. We're talking about, I hope you got your orange bulletin. It's in there. Uh, the notes are in there. You can follow along with us. Some good stuff, some things, uh, scriptures that you can reference for a while. And uh, even notes that you can use for further discussion in your small groups or uh, with a friend, prayer time, devotion time, whatever that is. And today we're talking about the subject of depression. And I, and I really believe that depression hits everybody on different levels. Some people, it, it's a minor thing. They don't struggle with it a whole lot. They hit it on a real shallow level. And some people drive off into the tar pits. And it is something that is life-changing, life-altering for them. And I just want to say up front, and I'll probably say this at every message this series... I am very realistic. I do not believe that a 30-minute message alone is going to set, solve all of your problems, okay? I totally understand that. But here's what I also understand, that I have watched God for 25 years use worship, use His Word, use church services, use a, a handshake or a hug in a service, use a message or a prayer time at the end to change people's lives and to start that process in the right direction. And I believe that's what we can do here today. Whatever, wherever you're at in that, in that spectrum, uh, I believe God can, can grow you and take you another step in your faith, can walk you closer to Him and where He wants you to be in life. So that's, that's where we're going to go with each of these. Today we're talking about depression. And uh, something, like I say, I think all of us at, at one time or another deal with. If you haven't, um, you're very fortunate or it's coming. Either one. <laughs> uh, it, it, sometimes for those, I'm not one that it deals with, that, that deals with uh, depression a lot. And the couple of times that I've uh, struggled with it throughout my life, it caught me by surprise because I'm naturally an upbeat guy. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be happy no matter what. That kind of forced my way through it. And even with people like that, you can look 
and find yourself kind of living in fake happiness if it's not centered around God's happiness that he has for your life. So I, I believe the message today will help each of us just shed some light on where we are and uh, shed some light on the direction that God wants us to go. And here's kind of the main thought for the day. This is in your notes. Main thought for the day, a little working definition that that I've been using for depression, that it is a hopelessness that is not consistent with reality. A hopelessness that is not consistent with reality. The great thing about it is, is depression is often based on reality. It has a piece of reality in there. And then the rest of it that drags us into the tar pits surrounding it that creates the depression is not based on reality. It's based on worst case possible scenarios in our life, right? We, we see that totally throughout scripture. What's great about the Bible is it doesn't just give us biblical history. It gives us human history also. We get to pick people for thousands of years and, and look and go, wait, we not, may not be evolving as much as people think we are. We've been pretty much the same for at least the last 5,000 years of recorded biblical history, right? Now look, at, look at what David writes in uh, Psalm 42. He says this, my tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Y'all, y'all think David's having a bad day? Maybe a bad week, maybe, maybe a bad season of life. Yeah, let's keep reading. Here we go. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? You know what David's saying there, right? Like in everyday lingo, he's saying, why are you so depressed? Scott, what's going on? He's, he's talking to himself. That's what he's, he's talking to himself. He's saying, I remember the good old days, man. I could just go to church and be happy with all my friends and we're singing. Why are you so downcast? Listen, but he keeps going. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. My God and, or my savior and my God. Let me tell you, in that little paragraph, David is doing some serious mental, emotional battles going on there. And I, and I want you to understand, I believe the a root cause, let me, let me rephrase, a root cause of depression. Not the, but one of the top three for sure, root causes of depression is the way we think. It takes a piece of reality or, or a piece of imagination and rolls it together with every possible negative scenario, and we become entrenched in that. And and we know that because in Scripture it tells us, in Proverbs 23, listen to this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. We, We understand that, that the way you think helps to dictate the way you perceive life, the way you see a situation. It's It's amazing to me having two kids from the same two parents, Are y'all with me on this, parents? How totally opposite they can be in certain areas of life. Yeah. And I've realized it's the same way with two people. You can have two people, maybe even brother and sister, maybe husband and wife, that are in the same situation, the same scenarios of life, but see it totally different. Our, Our thinking shapes how we see our lives. So... 
I'm going to give us a big piece of foundation, really for this entire series, but especially for today, on some of the sources that feed that thinking. Thinking is a, is a thread that runs through this entire series, the things that we think. And let me just say, if you believe, if you believe what God's word says about you, you can beat 99% of everything just believing it. And I'm not talking you get run over by a truck and you believe that you're not run over by a truck and you're not run over by a truck. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to catch me in the lobby and go, now, Scott, one time, you know, I understand that. But I'm saying about the way you think about yourself corresponding to what God says about us. That is the greatest help that you'll have in life. So here are three sources that, that can feed our thoughts, that can push us to depression. Here we go. And these are very important. Number one is that the devil will lie to you. I kind of got a couple of amens on that. That's a hard one for us to admit. And, and I tell you, it's kind of a running joke with me and my wife because she more leans more on the side of, well, I think Satan's attacking us. And I'm like, oh, babe, it was a dumb choice by me. Okay. It wasn't Satan. It was Scott. And she, and she'll say, well now, yeah, but you had choices. And Satan led you to the wrong one. You know, but, and, and so we're constantly having the, and that's, that was way over the top on that. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is sometimes it's very difficult because there's not a tag on the things of this world that says, oh, that's a lie from Satan. Oh, that's a lie from Satan. Oh, that's a lie from Satan. There's not a tag on that. But what you can understand is what Jesus said about Satan, right? You can understand that that's legitimate. That's real. Listen to what he said in John 8. This is Jesus speaking, verse 44. When he, the devil, lies, he speaks his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, remember the working definition of depression. It, it is not based in reality. It is not all truthful. There's maybe a little piece of reality, and then there's a bunch of lies from the enemy around it on the worst possible scenarios that could happen. The worst possible thing that's going to happen tomorrow and this afternoon and next month. Can I get an amen from that? So Satan will lie to us. That's one of the ways that feeds our minds that pushes us in the wrong direction. The second one is that the world will pollute us. Look at your neighbor and say this. Come on, help me out a little bit. Say this is the most, trying to figure out how much y'all could say at one time. (laughs) You know, when when you're doing that wedding thing, when I do weddings, you always have to figure out the bride and groom to know where to put the commas. If you you go too far, it's embarrassing. You don't want to look at your neighbor and say, this point is the biggest underestimated point of the day. Number two, the world pollutes us. Listen to even Paul describing this very thing. The world will pollute you. It's the most underestimated thing because we get so used to the culture and it doesn't affect me. I can figure that out. You know, I, I don't know how many stories I've told over the years of my great underestimating how culture affects me. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians four. He says, it's so I tell you this, And insist on it in the Lord. You know what that would mean today? I'm telling you this, and that means highlight it and underline it in your Bible. That's what he's saying. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. He's speaking to Gentiles 
in Ephesus. He's speaking to Jews also, but he's speaking to the believers in Ephesus. That's where this letter comes from. And he's saying, no more, you can't live like them. And, and here's why. In the futility of their thinking. All right, what, what drives them? Their culture, their, their social media, their movies, their music, their habits. Elbow your neighbor, right? That, that's what we're talking about. Like we get so used to the culture that Paul's saying there's got to be a difference or your thinking can't change. If you're just attending church on Monday, but living just like the world or the Gentiles Monday through Saturday, no wonder we're struggling, right? I, I, I've, I've shared this story a couple of times, but since we have one new person today, I'll share it again. I'm just kidding. But years ago, it was, it was actually our first year as youth pastors. And I'm going to give you the abbreviated version. But first year as youth pastors, I'd just been saved about two years. We were full-time in youth ministry. Um, I worked Sunday through Thursday. I was off on Fridays. But Jenny was a teacher, and so she worked on Friday. So that would be my day. Whatever new movies came out, I would go get a couple of man movies. That was my day to eat barbecue, you know, at the house, to a gallon of sweet tea, all of that kind of stuff. I saved everything for Fridays. So... For months, you know, that's what I would do, whether it was the new, and, and my favorite movies of them all is to shoot them up, blow their heads off, you know, destroy buildings, like all those action movies, Van Damme, you know, the Sylvester Stallone, all of those back in the 90s kind of things. And I remember a conversation we were having, Jenny came home, I was in the middle of one of them, she goes, man, there's a bunch of language in that. I'm like, What? I don't even notice. It doesn't affect me at all. I don't even notice that there's language in that. And she had walked by the living room. She go, oh, that, oh, that's a lot. You know, a few minutes later, she, oh, I'm not standing here. And she'd leave and I'd go, oh, you little church lady, you know, it doesn't bother me. And with it, you know, it's six months, eight months, however long I'd been doing that. And fine, I'm not, I'm not, you know, getting mad at somebody at the grocery store and I'm just like, don't say those bad words. I'm not doing that at all. It's not affecting me. And then one night we eat in Ardmore, which is about 30 minutes away, and we get in an argument at dinner. It's a pretty good, you know, newlywed, couple of years, been married a couple of years uh, uh, argument. We get in the car and it's just, it's just escalating. And es- I know y'all don't have any idea what that's like, but we used to throw down. And we were coming out of it in the second year, but it was still, the first year, didn't think we were going to make it. Second year was really rough. And by the third year, it was like, whew, okay, we, we made it through that. But we're going in the car and we're just up in the notch and up in the notch. And I just go all in and she's going all in and we're just yelling at each other. And we came to an impasse and we just, there was just not, you know, we're just hollering at each other. And I just, it just happened. Every word that you could imagine and we're just both driving. A couple of minutes goes by, we're just both driving. Every word you could imagine, every word that was in those movies. And I was thinking to myself, I just won that argument. And then a couple of minutes later, I thought, what's going on? I haven't said those words since I've been a Christian. I mean, that's part of that's part of my line in the sand. Like I'm coming out of that life. I'm not living that way. And that was our discussion. As, as we got home and I said, hey, I want to apologize. I don't even know. Is apology enough? I mean, should I do penance? Should I whip myself or something? Like I don't, like I feel really bad. <laughs> it was bad. And she said, do you know where that, like why you said that? 
And I was like, no. Still dumb as a brick. I said, no. I, I, mean, I guess it's from my past. She goes, Scott, every Friday you're just pumping that into you. And I almost said, I almost said. I was like, yeah, but they do affect me. They do affect me. And that day I said, okay. Well, it doesn't, I like, I don't want to learn lessons 900 times and have casualties in life following me because I'm a slow learner. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this, this scripture right here motivates me. Don't, don't be thinking that you can walk in the way of a Gentile, but live in the way of a Christian, right? Don't, don't think you can walk in the way that you used to walk, go to the places, watch the things, do the thing you used to do, but your title has just changed. Right? If your thinking is not going to be in the vein of depression or anger or, you know, whatever the cuss words, whatever that is, you're going to have to change your environment. Amen? And, and the culture feeds you. So you have to decide, how much do I want to struggle with that? I decided, huh, obviously I'm pretty weak. I don't want to struggle with it. I don't want to. And every now and then I do the same thing. Like if I'm, if I'm listening to a podcast and the guy gets to where he's cussing a bunch on the podcast or whatever, I'll just kind of go, okay, well, I've listened to one on that. I'm just, I'm just going to tone it back because like, I think I'm, I think after 25 years, I'm stronger than that, but I would really rather not find out because when I read this, it reminds me of what I'm feeding myself is what I will become. Amen. It's a big one. It's the most underestimated point of the day. The world will pollute you. Actively choose what you allow to go into your body, to your mind, to your eyes. Give your neighbor a fist bump and say, I like that one. And number three, your problems will confuse you. These three big inputs, your problems will confuse you. Anybody ever been going through a problem and think really really out of the box, wild things because you're going through that problem? Have you ever been just like blessed for the whole year and you go through a really bad problem and you go, God, what are you doing to me? Like what's changed in the last week? Why do you hate me now? Okay, good. It's not just me. Y'all are giggling, so it's not just me. And, and what's, what's amazing about that, some of the most incredible men and women of God throughout Scripture were human. Did you know that? They're human just like us. They struggled with the same thing. Listen, I'm going to read two verses out of a six-verse passage that David wrote. Verse number one, Psalm 13 says this, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Woo! Verse six, I will sing to the Lord because he's good to me. David may have split personalities. (laughs) Or... If you read about some of the situations that David's going through, you understand that stress in life, if that is your main input in life, can cause you to think incorrect things. Amen? The world, well, the devil will lie to us, the world will pollute us, and our problems will confuse us. But here's my statement to every single person in this room, no matter what level you have dealt with or are currently dealing with depression, you can, I believe it's God's will for you, you can overcome it. Amen? Just like everything else in life, I've overcome some things in my life, do you know, that I struggle with five, six, eight, ten times a day. But I'm over stinking coming it. 
Yeah, thank you. It's a struggle sometimes. Sometimes it's once a day. Sometimes it's twice a day. Sometimes it's every five minutes. It's right there. Those days I have to be even more intentional. You're not getting a hold of me again. I I played that game before. I'm not getting a hold of me again. I'm going to fight that. I'm not going to allow my, my, my problems to confuse me. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to go back to God and let him kind of zero me out and go, this is where you need to be. You need to listen to what I say about you. And the reason I say that is there, there was a, a person, an amazingly godly person in the Bible, one of the prophets of the Old Testament named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was also known as the weeping prophet. <laughs> That's how that, Jeremiah struggled with it. And he wrote a book called Lamentations. I don't know if you know what to lament means, but it means to have a pity party, okay? In, in Bible terms. That's Greek, I think. But, but he wrote the book on Lamentations. And I want, you, I want to read you part of one chapter where this godly man who heard God's verbal voice, who saw God do miracles in his life, miracles in other people's lives because of what he did and said. And yet he still struggled with thoughts of depression, dragging him down for where God wanted him to be in life. Listen to this. And remember, I started this out by saying, it's God's will for you to overcome. This is where we're going to head. We're turning the corner right here. It says this, Lamentations, written by Jeremiah in, in chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. You can read it on the screen with me if you'd like. It says, I am the man who has, been, who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He's taking it personal. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. You understand that he's attributing everything he's saying to God personally doing this to him. He goes on. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has welled me and he has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with change, chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Let me just pause it for a minute. That's not one of my points today, but how many can relate? You don't have to raise your hand or say amen, but how many can relate to that sentence? Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayers. That's why we have to understand that our problems will confuse us. They can confuse us. We have to understand that point. Because we can get right in the middle of God's will, and because something terrible is happening, we think, well, I thought I was in God's will. Why is God punishing me? His rod is against me. And I called out all afternoon, and he has not come to my rescue. All month, and he's not come to my rescue. All year. That's a very real feeling in the middle of it. Let's keep reading. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me a target for his arrows. I could keep reading. But I want, I want to show you as I, as I preface that passage that it's God's will For us to not live in depression. Yes, we may struggle with it, but to fight it and overcome depression. I want to show you one of the most godly people in the Old Testament. I would trade with him in a second to to experience some of the things that he experienced. 
But he also experienced fighting off depression in a very real sense. But you know how we start the process of flipping the script on depression? When I say it's God's will for you to overcome it, to not live in it, you know how we do that? Jeremiah learned in writing the book of Lamentations, he reinforced and learned how to walk away from it. Listen to this. Same, same, same chapter, toward the end of the chapter in verse 21, he says this. Yet, so he just unloads. He says some horrific things about God, to God, to everybody. And then he turns it. He says, yet, this I will call to mind and therefore have hope. One sentence. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Let me just tell you, everybody, if you can have your attention, the difference between the people that stay in it and the people that fight it and overcome it, whether you continue to fight it, but that overcome it, are those that in the middle of it, when they feel like that, when they feel like David and Jeremiah and every one of us who have battled that, they stop and intentionally remind themselves. That's what he said. Yet this is what I'm going to call to mind. This is what I'm going to remember. I know what I'm going through, but what I'm going to remember is this, that God loves me so much that he's going to continue to have compassion on me. And because of that, here's the greatest line right there. Because of that, I will not be consumed. This junk that I'm going through will lie to me. I understand that, but I'm not going to be consumed. Can I get an amen? And and, and the world, it's going to put pressure on me and feed me the wrong junk through TV and radio and the internet and magazines and friends and all of this kind. It's still going to do that, but I'm not going to be consumed. Amen? And, and, And all of these troubles and all of this junk that's pressing in my life, it may even confuse me. But Lord, because of your love, I will not be consumed. Church, I'm telling you, it is God's will for you to not be consumed. Every one of us fight a fight. Most of us fight many fights. And we fight against different things that we're susceptible to because of our childhood, because of our DNA, because of our upbringing, whatever that is. But the the good news for today is that God loves you so much that he won't let you get consumed. But you have to call to mind. Yet, it says, I will call to mind. Yet, I will flip the script. Yet, I'm not going to sit in here and keep being depressed. I'm going to fight it. Amen? I'm going to fight it. Remember what I said, that it, we have to overcome our thinking if we're going to change our life. And, and, and that brings me to this. Point number four is this. But I'm not going to change. I will never change the way I think until I renew my mind. Until I get some new thoughts, Right? Uh, Some new headlines in my life, some new goals in my life, some new situations in my life. Not that you can change where you're at in life. Sometimes that job, you can't quit that job. You got to stay there. So how do I overcome that? I have to let my mind be renewed. It doesn't say to change your life that you have to get a new job, right? I, I can tell you many people that have changed jobs It's the same system of thinking that follows them to that job and that job and that job. Where it lies is in the thinking. We we did an entire series over this, Romans 12, this summer. And it says this, Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer. Everybody say, stop it. Don't conform any longer. Stop it today. 
to the pattern of this world. That's the culture that he's talking about in Ephesians 4 when he said that. Those are the things that influence us. Don't conform to that anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to change the way you think. Think on the right things. And here's why. He, he alludes to it in Romans 8. I'm going to try to wrap this up with a whole bunch of good scripture right here. But it says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think, isn't it amazing how many times they use this word think in here? They think about things that please the Holy Spirit. So here we go. In your, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Amen? It is intentional. It is on purpose. It is being aware of the other things that influence us and aware of that God doesn't want those things to overwhelm us, doesn't want us to live in depression, wants us to fight our way out of that and walk a, a non-overwhelming life. That's why we do every. Do you, you know we believe that wholeheartedly at South Point? Our, we believe that Jesus has shown us a way of life, not just heaven and hell. That's great. That's going to be amazing when it happens but a way of life for now to bring us life to the fullest now. And that's why every ministry, every service, everything is set up and orchestrated to help you get on board with what God's agenda is for your life. We don't do it for you. You notice that if you skip a month and you're gone somewhere or doing something else, you don't get a call from Scott going, Hey, where are you at, man? Skipping church. I mean, this isn't a godly thing you're doing. You know, I mean, you're going to miss heaven and all this. Like I may shoot you a message and go, hey, I miss seeing your smiling face around South Point or one of your ministry leaders will. But what we want to do at South Point is set it up so that it's a smorgasbord of how to live life in the ways of Jesus at South Point and allow you to pick, this is what I need now. This is what I need now. This is what I need and walk in that way successfully. Amen? So here's the one thing I want you walking away with today. And it's based out of... Hebrews 4, here's your, here's your walking away tip of the day. That is terrible. I did not mean for that to rhyme. We talked all about the negative and what influences and everything, but here's the direction. Here, here's, yet I will bring to mind and recall. Here's that, all right? This is, this is the difference. This is the key that lets you out of depression. Here you go. The word of God the Bible, scripture, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word helps us. You go, I'm not strong enough. I can't. I've tried. God's word helps us get to where we need to be. God's word gives us the fuel. It gives us the direction. It gives us the correctness of thinking. It even divides our thoughts and our attitudes. When we're convinced of something, we're in the middle of it. We understand that this is really the way it is. And God's word teaches us what is correct. So here it's super profound. All right, you need to write this one down to the last point of the day. So every day, you want to overcome depression? You want to fight your way out? Read God's word. In fact, I would challenge you to do it two or three times a day. Three or four or five times a day. Don't try to read a chapter every time. Read some scripture. 
Get in a reading plan. You know, there are thousands of reading plans on the YouVersion Bible app. Thousands of them. I have about 10 ongoing right now. I don't really feel like that one. Read another one. I don't really feel like that one. Read another. The goal, who cares about all that? The goal is to read God's word. You know why? Do you know why you read God's word? Because it's living and active. Sharper than any sword. It divides our thoughts and our attitudes. It guides us into what is correct in life. It gives us the power to overcome depression. It sheds light in dark areas of our lives. It sheds light on the path, David says, and and a lamp to our feet of where we should walk. It corrects our thinking when it's negative, when it's depressing, and helps us recall to mind that which will walk us out of the struggle we're fighting. It is God's will for us not to be depressed all the time. Are you going to go through periods where you struggle with it? Probably. If you're human, you go through those times. If David and Jeremiah and other people in Scripture are any hint, sure. The trick is not getting stuck. I love going mudding. I own a Jeep. I love it. You know the most embarrassing thing to a Jeep owner? Getting stuck and having to ask the dude in the Ford to pull you out. Is that a good analogy or what? I just came up with that one. That was pretty good. We're all going to encounter mud in life. We're all going to encounter sticky cities. We're all going to encounter bad situations, horrific things that happen, tragedies, all of that. The difference is, let's keep fighting. Let's overcome that. Because it's God's will that we not stay there. It's God's will that we overcome. That we don't live in it. That we fight it and overcome it. Amen? And the number one thing you can do besides read God's word is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're in this room today and you're just observing church and checking Christians out, but you don't have a relationship with Christ, you have little to no hope in overcoming the ways of this world. It's too big. So I would encourage you, I would love for you to, I'm not going to ask you to come up front or embarrass you or anything, but I would love for you today to make a decision. First and foremost, my first step is going to be to connect myself, to yield myself, to give myself to the person that can help me overcome it, to help me to win surrender my keys to my life to Jesus. Let him come in and steer me in the right direction to lead me, to let me see his ways are true. If that's you today, I want to pray for you first. Will you mind closing your eyes and let me pray with you? If you're making a decision today to serve Jesus, to give him the keys to your life, then it's you that I want to pray for and ask Jesus to come in and make you a new creature, a new creation to help you renew your thinking and renew your mind and walk out of here today understanding that you and Jesus together can overcome anything. Lord, I pray for these in this room right now that are making the decision today. I pray that while I'm speaking, that they would tell you themselves right where they sit. That's me, Lord. I I want you to come into my life and show me your ways. Show me how to come out of darkness and walk in light. Show me how to overcome my thinking and renew my mind. Lord, I pray that, that your spirit would come into their lives that you would wash away guilt and, and condemnation from past mistakes past ways of thinking and that from this day forward, Lord, you will walk them in your truth, that you would teach them 
according to your word, according to your spirit, what is true in this world. And show them that together with you, they can overcome anything. They can overcome anything. They, they, it's not just that they can, but it's your will for them to overcome it. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that because of your love and your compassion, we are not overwhelmed. We are not consumed, as Jeremiah said, but we can win and we can walk in this life that you said you came to give us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. With your eyes still closed, church, I pray for every single person in this room that's ever struggled with depression, especially those that struggle with it strongly, especially those that feel like it's a continual thing. I pray that today, that in your life would be broken in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Today, that would be broken in your life, that you would be set free, that Jesus would do a miraculous work in your life. Lord, I pray right now that the the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of you dying on the cross, the blood that you shed, the life that you came back to life, that power, Lord, that power that lives in us by your spirit would help us to overcome, that you would renew minds in this room, that you would change the way our thinking, that you would change our heart's directions today. Those that have got in the habit of being depressed, I pray against that now, Lord. I pray that you would lead them out of that darkness, out of that depression, and into the life that you have designed for them, Lord, into this stage of life, Lord, coming out of that depression and believing in what you say in your word, believing what you have said about them. Lord, I pray that from this day forward, you would help them to intentionally, intentionally choose to recall, to think about, to put into their hearts, into their minds, their eyes, their ears, into their lives, your word and the right things to, to, guard their heart and their eyes and their minds from the wrong things, the influential things of this world so that they can hear and test your word and live by it. Lord, I believe that with all of my heart today that you're doing miraculous things in this room for those watching online, people that are going to watch in weeks from now, I pray that you would help them from this day forward to overcome, to fight and overcome the depression that they struggle with because I believe that's your will. Your name we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. I believe that more than you. You would be surprised how much I believe that. I believe that totally, that God has the power to help us. God doesn't do it for us, but he has the power to help us overcome anything in this life. Do you believe that? Amen, amen, amen.